What is up? I'm Miguel Antonio, and you are listening to the Live and Create podcast. It's where I interview artists and entrepreneurs about what it means to live a great life and create great things. And before we jump into today's podcast, I'd love for you to check out my band, Run With It. You can follow us at Run With It Band. That's at Run With It Band. Uh, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, all the places you follow people at. And make sure you check out our EP that's up on all the streaming platforms. It's called How to Start a Fire. And you can check out that as well at runwithitband.net. That's runwithitband.net. And on today's episode, we have Cassie Joy. Cassie has been performing music since the age of five and professionally since the age of 10. She began her career touring the Midwest Opry circuit until she was spotted and signed by Radio Disney. Casey native Cassie Joy hasn't left the stage since. In 2015, Cassie took her talents to Nashville to continue her growth as an artist. Cassie's hard work and dedication paid off when she got the call to be on a much bigger stage. Her performance and talent led to a highly touted run on the NBC's The Voice, where she instantly turned all four chairs and was singled out by Rolling Stone as having one of the top 10 best blind auditions of all time. After making it to the live finals, she has, she has since been touring the U.S. and Canada in her tour bus, the Joyride, that she now lives in full-time. This has enabled her to literally go wherever the music takes her. To date, Cassie has continued to grow as an artist, with recently debuted music on People Magazine, breaking the iTunes Top 20 country charts, accumulating over 40 million video views online, and 350,000 followers on social media. So if you're not following her, you should be jumping in on that. Cassie Joy has captured the attention of music fans around the globe who appreciate the way she melds traditional country and modern pop influences. Blake Shelton said it best, there is no stopping Cassie Joy. In today's episode, Cassie shares her incredible story of blazing her own trail in the music industry. She unpacks how she was able to leverage her time on The Voice as a next step to where she is now, and she also shares her perspective on being a woman in the male-dominated industry. Also, for those in the Midwest, my band Run With It will be opening for her at Freedom Fest July 4, 2022 in Junction City, Kansas. So if you're, you're in the area and it's you're listening in real time, make sure you check out that show. I'd love to see you there. Uh, it's it's going to be a great one. Uh, so now, it's a great episode. So now, just enjoy the episode. The Live and Create Podcast. Nashville. Um, okay. We we live full time in our tour bus now, and oh, we just that is got, home. <laughs> yeah. So we just got the joy ride back from uh, a trip from Kansas City to Florida to Georgia, back to Florida to Kansas City, and then we went to Minnesota, then to Kansas, and we're like, let's just take the truck to Nashville this time and save some money <laughs> fuel. <laughs> Right. It's like touring musicians. I, every time I see it, the, the ticker go up, I'm like, my God, how, how do we afford this? <laughs> it's nuts. It's insane. Man. And the bus is a 150 gallon tank at about six miles a gallon downhill. Yeah. So it's, it's downhill. <laughs> With a breeze. Like, what, what'd you call it? The joy ride? What was it? Yeah. The I love that. And then you got the joy boys. Yep. If I remember right. So I, yes. that's amazing. And they, I couldn't even, oh, go ahead. They hate the name, which they, makes me just shout it from the rooftops. <laughs> They're like They're in like, the back, like just like rolling their eyes. Like, <laughs> that's amazing. I love that though. And trying to keep track of you telling those cities, like w once you kept going, like you are hustling. That's one thing I love about following what you're doing. Like always hustling. Yeah, gotta, you know, and, and if anything has taught us about like the last couple years, it's if someone tries to burn down your path, just build a new one. <laughs> just keep pushing That's what right we're through. That's trying it. to do. Absolutely. That's, uh, I did a live podcast at Boulevardia uh, for their live podcasting stage and had, are you familiar with making movies at all? The band, uh, it's like a Latino rock band. Uh, they're based out of Kansas City, but go all over the world. And, but he was sharing his story of like kind of feeling like he was pushed aside uh, just as a Latin artist uh, in the rock world and where he finally just it's like they as a band decided they're just going to build something of their own. They're not even going to worry about trying to like, you know, like you said, just kind of like burn your own path through that. Yeah. Which I and love. that's what I feel like is just the best thing anymore is like. You know, I feel like the more you try to play the game and try to do everything the way that you see like other successful people do it, like by the time you figure that out, the, the path has changed. 
So like Absolutely. you kind of just have to do your own thing, your own way and in, in your own brand and style and, you know, hope something sticks. I'm muted. I'm muted. That. Oh, yeah. I apologize. No, I feel you on that. I mean, even when you think about algorithms, right. And like, you're huge on social, social media, the way you're hustling on there. It's like, by the time you figure out whatever is trending, it's already moved on. So exactly. It's like learning to be, learning to find a way to be authentic, I think is our conversations a lot. It's like, how are you authentically you? How do you present, put your best foot forward from a branding perspective, but then just not really worry about chasing all that stuff in a way. Right. And I feel like social media can sniff that out. Like we were just talking about, um, I had a viral uh, video go viral years ago um, of me singing Jackson with my friend, Woody James. And you know, we had had some drinks. We're a little tipsy. We had just gotten off of doing a four hour gig in Nashville. And we're like, let's sing some Johnny and June. And it was such bad video quality that I had to make it black and white. And then boom, it pops off and gets like 14 million views. <laughs> and I've been forever trying to recreate that. And it doesn't work. Like if you're trying TikTok and YouTube can smell it. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's interesting because I actually, I posted a thing about a label maker. I was just putting gear together one night and was, I love labels. And, uh, and so I'm like labeling everything. And I was, it was late at night. I was probably into some wine as well. And I just did a stupid video of like zooming in on our label maker and, <laughs> and like linked it to like, uh, you got a friend of me. And it had more, it's not a lot of views, but it had more views than some of my other stuff that we like worked a lot of time. I'm like, right? nothing makes sense anymore. Just yeah. do your thing. Just do what you do. You know? Yeah. You're like, <laughs> I spent six hours editing this and this one pops off. <laughs> well, you know, it's really cool. Like thinking of your career, like reading through your bio and then just following you for last several years, um, where you, it, this hustle mentality seems to be a thing that's just been ingrained in you. Like it's, it seems to be a natural piece of what you do. Is that true? Like yeah. ever since a little girl, just like out there hustling? Yeah. You know, my, uh, my entire family is all entrepreneurs. So I've always known about like, you don't have to have a boss. You can be your own boss. And if yeah. you want to do something, you can put the work in and make it happen for yourself. And, and I've also always been really impatient about like waiting on other people to do things for me. Like, you know, when's that t-shirt design coming? I needed it yesterday. And so I just started learning to design my own t-shirts and my own website and do my own pictures and everything. And, um, but yeah, I think my, my family's really instilled a, a good work ethic in me, I think. That's really cool. Now, did they have their own businesses or were they also doing the music business itself? Oh no, no music business. Well, it, they've worked with me in the music business for my whole life. Um, none of us have ever known what we're doing, but my mom would find <laughs> me any mall talent show or any podunk town to go and sing in someone's trailer or something, or the, you know, smoky bar down the streets doing karaoke. Um, but no, my mom, um, owned a, a daycare. Um, and then she opened a children's clothing store that now my sister owns. And my brother is, a a uh, picker, I guess you would say, or a flipper. Like he goes and finds things at auctions and flips nice. them and sells them. And so, yeah, we're all just, um, yeah, just total entrepreneurs. My dad actually had like a real life uh, adult job. He was a computer programmer, but he's the only normal <laughs> one of the family. <laughs> I love that. Cause it does sometimes feel like, like there's, there's a few times I gave up on music uh, throughout my career. And it, it felt like I was saying to myself, I need to, I need to just get a real adult job. Like, come on, Miguel, like grow up, you know? Right. But it, it's cool hearing that though, where it almost sounds like for you, it just, it was always an option. The idea of, of carving, burning your own path, as you said earlier. Yeah. Um, and like, I, I have a degree um, in early childhood and not as a backup plan, but just, you know, I don't know if like a ninja star comes out of the sky and hits me in the throat and I can't sing anymore. I don't know why that's the scenario I go towards, but you know, like anytime I think about actually having to use my degree and like be a normal adult human, that terrifies me. And then, right. you know, it brings me back into like, okay, this crazy stressful life that I am living isn't so bad. Cause I could be sitting at a desk and that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And it's like certain personalities love that. But I know for me, like I've tried to do the regular job and I remember the first time working for someone after I had been self-employed for years 
And the thing that drove me nuts is I couldn't leave. I was like, I'm just used to be able to like do my thing, man. Like the, yeah. and it's like after about seven, eight months of that, I remember I called my wife and I was like, I was like, there's shit in everything you do. Right. Like no matter what the music industry is hard. I was like, but everything else is hard. So I might as well enjoy the rest of it and get back into music. And she, she honestly, she was like, really? I was just waiting for you to, to see that. I was just waiting for you to recognize that that's what you were going to do anyway. That's a really good point. Yeah. Everything's hard. So you might as well enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now, now obviously, so it's 2015, right? If I remember right, you were in the voice. Yeah. Six, I'm getting... 17. Oh, 17. Okay. Yeah. But up to that point, you were building your own career. Like, like you said, you were going to those random spots, um, but you started like into music itself at, if I remember right, five years old. Yeah. Now, was it, you were just drawn to it or did like people recognize like, oh, this girl can sing. Like, let's, let's, oh, let's no. get her up there. No, oh, no, it wasn't that. <laughs> it's not that easy. <laughs> no, no, no. They were like, whoa, why is that tiny little troll on the stage? Uh, no, I, I found a. Uh... What, <laughs> what kind of judge were you going to for concert, concerts like a five-year-old troll? Uh, that's a <laughs> little tiny troll. Um, no, I had found a, uh, a, I was always just really into music and dancing and putting on shows for my parents. And, and I would like dance to the saber dance and flight of the bumble be because that was the only cassette like that I could find and and then I came across this cassette tape of Alabama and on the other side was the first time I'd ever heard a karaoke track of something and it was Angels Among Us and um so I learned all those words and told my parents I learned this song and Smithville's doing a talent show in a couple weeks and so they let me join and do the talent show and then after that my mom just started trying to find anywhere to to book me shows and, and do the momager role. <laughs> <laughs> the momager role. Now, did she, was she momager for a good long time for you or was it just right there in the beginning? Uh, pretty much until 2012. Uh, and okay. I started uh, dating my now husband, Brian, and um, my rock band had just broken up at that time. I've been all around the earth of genres, um, just trying to see anything that sticks um, and country did. Um, so in 2012, he talked me into, you know, quit doing the band thing. Why don't you go solo? And and I was like, yeah, you're right. And and I think I need to go back to country. And so then that's when all that started. I can't even remember what the question was. It's, it's all good. I, I kind of meander through questions off of off of uh, where you go as well. So I'm trying to remember the start. I think it had to do with your momager and how long you guys were working together. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's so, where yeah, we got. So. She was booking me for, yeah, as long as she could. Um, and now, I mean, she's still uh, on my email. So she gets all of my emails, all my calendar nice. invites, like, cause she has to hold me accountable of, you know, yes, you still didn't respond to that email. <laughs> <laughs> pulling, pulling the artist card, like yeah. I'll get to it, I guess. Yeah, I'm being creative, mom. <laughs> so you step out uh, solo uh, and Brian Wright is your husband mm -hmm. and manager at 2012. And you find your way, you, again, just continually building and building your career and you find your way on the voice. And it seems like make this kind of huge, you know, splash there in that context. And what I've actually found even more curious that and inspired by is your pathway after the voice. Um, because in, it's because I have a lot of friends who've gone through the American idols, the voice things. We, we used to do a lot of like showcasing and we meet some of the folks who just got done with the series. And it seems like I've watched so many artists struggle after that. Like they struggle with like, you got this huge shot in the arm, right? And then what do you do then? But it seems like for you and, and maybe at least outside looking in, it seemed like you had, you already had like a path in your mind that you're following. Did it feel like that for you or did, was there some of that struggle coming out? Uh, no, I think it was really instilled in me that, you know, the voice is going to be a big deal while it's happening, but the voice is not going to do anything for you after the show. Like mm. it's up to you of what you do with that momentum that was given to you. And like, you know, it's all about striking while the iron's hot. So we, while I was still on the show, we already had new music planned and ready to come out when my contract was up with The Voice. We had a tour planned for immediately when I got back. And, you know, it was just about like keeping everything going and, and 
you know, kind of putting on the front that like, we're busy, it's working, we're successful, you know, it's kind of a, a fake it till you make it. <laughs> right. And that, and it was, like I said, it was really cool and inspiring because I, I have seen so many people struggle with it because it, I, I've never been down that path myself, but I can only imagine like, well, I know the highs and lows of like a really great show. And then you feel really low afterwards and you're like, what's next, you know, in that yeah. regard. So and that's like a really, really big show. <laughs> and, and then you feel is like this that. low. Yeah. Uh, you're like, wait, but a million people were just watching me on TV and now I'm playing at the local bar. What happened? You know, <laughs> you're like, really I swear I am awesome. I'm telling yeah, you I guys. Swear I was just there. <laughs> but you know, well, like I, I've seen so many people like get, you know, like, second place or even first place on some of those shows. And then they go right back to where they were playing before they went on the show. And that was something right. that it was hard for us to not go back to those shows because we were making money, but our, our mantra is bigger stage every single time. And mm. so that's just been what we've been trying to go after is just what's the next step. And sometimes we might be taking a loss financially, but that stage is bigger and it's going to lead to something else bigger. And, you know, that's just what we try to keep in our heads. That's really interesting. Cause, um, there's a band up and coming country act, uh, it's like red dirt country. Uh, and so to just to preface this too, I'm not a, a country dude per se, but I'm finding myself booking more and more country artists, getting to know them. We were on a zoom call one day and they were like starting to try to educate me. They're like, bro, you got to learn about this. So it's like, you guys are training me up. Like I, I only knew like Brad Paisley and like Keith Urban at that point. And mainly cause I wanted the Paisley telly, uh, yeah. <laughs> cause it's a gorgeous guitar. Um, but anyways, Steve Banky band or Steve Banky and the Flatlanders, and they're just a phenomenal country band. Like they kill it and they're all great people. Like they're fun to interview, fun to talk with. They, you know, all that kind of thing. But they reached that point where they were wrestling last year with, hey, we got all these gigs booked. We're making money, but we know where we want to go. And this is not where we want to go. And so they had to make that hard choice, like behind the scenes, kind of like what I hear you saying. Um to actually not take shows that were coming in. And, it, and he even said, it's like, that was a scary moment, but now I'm seeing them like this year, they're, they're popping up to that next level. Um, what was that like? What were the conversations like for you guys as you decided, like, you know, uh, well, I, I'm, I'm missing your mantra there, the like a bigger stage each time. What, mm -hmm. what was the conversation like that for you guys? And what was that feeling at first saying no to some of these big, some of these things that were coming in generating revenue. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely a scary decision to make. Um, I guess I don't really remember the moment. I mean, we've been saying this bigger stage thing since like 2012, probably. Nice. Um, and, and yeah, we just got to a point where we were like, we've got to start taking more meaningful gigs, not just paying gigs, you know, ones that will, take us to a next step or, you know, put us in, in front of the right fans. And so, and I've, I've always been about like, I hate money. I, I would sing for free for the rest of my life. My husband won't let me. And that's why he books the shows and not me. <laughs> that's why he's the manager. That's awesome. Exactly. He's like, what, what services did you just trade to play a show? I'm like, what? I needed chiropractor care. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Well, and it, it is a, uh, especially watching them go through that and, and taking that step, it seems like a critical point for any artist to get to a point where it's like, no, I'm valuing myself beyond like where I'm at to get to where I want to be. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's definitely about, yeah, knowing your worth and believing in yourself and, you know, it's a scary jump to make, but, you know, I think it, it works out in the long run. Hopefully <laughs> we'll see <laughs> <laughs> now with Brian, obviously, like you said, he's booking, you know, the shows he's handling the money. Cause you don't even want to touch it. Apparently. Oh, no. um, okay. I'll I'm, lose it. <laughs> I'm, the, I literally I'm the same way. I will, <laughs> I will lose checks. All I used to lose them all the time. I've gotten much better. I'm getting better at the money piece. Um, but, but yeah, I've lost so many checks from my, when my wife first got married, I opened up my, my book bag one day and like checks just started falling out. She's like, Oh my God, I can't live this way. Like, what right? are you doing? <laughs> yeah. We, uh, anytime we get paid at a gig, I immediately give the check to my mom. And so, cause she's, <laughs> she's also on my bank account. Like I'm such a 
12 year old. Um, but yeah, we, <laughs> we have several, uh, Leanne Rimes jokes now of, I don't know if you know the story, but like Leanne Rimes' mom was her manager and like ripped her off of like millions uh, of dollars. Kind of like Jewel. <laughs> you know? Jewel exactly. went through that same thing, my understanding. So. Yeah. So we always joke that like, oh, here, Leanne Rimes, take my money. Where's it going to so, go? <laughs> so she rolls up in a new Tesla. You're going to be mom. I'm going to need yeah. to get an audit. And we're going to need to sit down and talk. Yeah, we're going to have a family meeting. <laughs> so I am curious, though, like working with your husband in this capacity, what are what are maybe like two or three tools that you guys try to implement, implement to uh, protect your relationship while at the same time moving your business forward? I'm, I'm always curious about that when there's couples working together in, in the industry. Yeah, I think... Um, I mean, I'll pat myself on the back. Brian and I do a really good job of working together. Um, I think we're really good communicators with each other. Um, sometimes I could be better. I'll say it. Brian, did you hear that? <laughs> um, <laughs> but our our communication is just really good. And um, and I always just make sure, like, if if anything is bothering me or if, like, you know, something is stressing me out, I will let him know, like, I'm feeling very flustered right now. And like, we have to get this organized because it's really weighing on me and I'm freaking out about is this gig booked or not. And, right. you know, I think just getting ahead of it and saying like, hey, I'm flustered. So I just want you to know why if I'm like getting snappy or something like it's because I'm like really stressed out. And he's good about understanding that and um, just keeping the train on the tracks, really. He does a lot of the um, administrative stuff and then lets me do the creative side. So I think, yeah, we do really well at working together. That's awesome. Just that communication piece seems mm -hmm. to help. Well, obviously, like I always I describe being in a band sometimes being like married to a bunch of people that aren't even your spouse as well. Oh, so totally. I, I think that communication, even in the bands, is is so huge. And I feel like every day I have to work at it, you know? Yeah. Like, how do I keep everyone in the loop and going on that one? So. Yeah. And I got lucky with, uh, with my band, my, uh, band leader, Chris Thompson, he's my bassist. He's head joy boy. And, um, we, Which he, make loves. Jokes. he, he <laughs> Chris actually loves it. It's the rest of the band that they're like, we sound like Chippendales. And I'm like, exactly. It's hilarious. <laughs> but, but Chris, we, we make jokes that he's my work husband and, um, and he takes care of a lot of the administrative stuff as well. And he's right. really learned me as like, uh, like my personality type. I'm, I'm terrified of confrontation. I'm terrified of telling anybody what to do. I don't want to be bossy. I don't want to have to fire anybody. And so Chris always takes care of all of that for me. And so I've just gotten really lucky. <laughs> That's nice. That's nice. I usually the roles I've, I've been in, I'm always the one who's like firing people. And it's, it's like, that's just never fun. It's no, just, I would cry the whole time. <laughs> That's a buddy of mine was when run with it was we're just now firing back up, um, which I'm excited to share the stage with you here in a few weeks. Um, but like previously, they were basically I had a buddy who was in the in the industry constantly telling me, like, you need a tour manager. You got to stop being the ass to everybody. Like because sometimes it put me in that role. Not that I was trying to be mean, but it's like those hard conversations had to happen. He's like, dude, you need someone in between that. So you can be the artist. Yeah. And I mean, else nobody likes the guy that's firing him. <laughs> right. Nobody does. No matter how hard you try, they just don't for some reason. I don't know why. I, <laughs> I don't know what the deal is like stopping sensitive. <laughs> <laughs> See, you're ready. You're ready. You can start firing people. On yeah. That end. Like, but lead with stop being so sensitive. I think that would be the way yeah. to go. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, as far as the the songs and the craft, like obviously you get to pour a lot of energy into that, uh, releasing the singles, uh, which I great move, by the way. I love seeing that. Like what what is the strategy behind the singles that you guys are pushing out currently? Um, so we've got music planned out for the rest of the year now. Um and this is the first time that I've actually planned ahead. I am a very much wing it, fly by the seat of my pants, book something, panic later, you know. Um, and so I've always just like, oh, wrote a song, better release it tomorrow, whatever. And for the first time in my life, we are actually organized. And we already have the songs picked out. Um, and we kind of just plan those around like what season is it? Like, do we want you know, a fun boating weather, you know, song. And then we go into sad girl summer and then sad girl fall and sad girl winter. 
<laughs> it's all sad till the boat comes out and yeah. then it's back to sad again. Yes. <laughs> That's brilliant. Now, are you co-writing or are you writing all on your own? What's that look like for you? Um, kind of half and half. I've been co-writing a lot more lately. Um, we kind of slowed down a smidgey on our touring schedule this year because um, it had been a long time since we had been in Nashville and actually in the industry side of things and just going out and, and networking and all of that because um, we're on the road and that's how, you know, my husband and I make our living. So um, we kind of made a decision to slow down on touring a little bit for the first half of the year and just get out here and, and co-write a ton um, and yeah, just getting lots of stuff out. But um, I write solo a lot too, uh, like The Money and Senses Fail, those were solo writes. But sometimes like there's songs like Namaste I, and Everything's Fine. I had been sitting on those choruses for a long time and I just had a feel, I was like, I can't finish this by myself. Like right, I just right. really want outside perspective. Mm -hmm. I want someone to veto me on, you know, things. And um, so that's what co-writing is really good for. Cause th cool. those songs wouldn't have ended up how they did if I wrote them by myself, I don't think. <laughs> Yeah, so many people that I know are diving deep, especially when it seems like the Nashville like thing. Like once you get there, everybody I know, they start calling me, you need to start co-writing with people, man. Like you need to start doing it. And it seems like the, you build so many extra tools that you can never on your own. Totally. Um, and yeah, like just co-writing in general, like, you know, you are just getting so many different perspectives and, you know, other people have different vocabularies and, and like, I've noticed I don't know any idioms <laughs> and, and like, um, you know, these co-writers will come in with, and say things. I'm like, what's that phrase even mean? I've never even heard it. And that's so cool sounding, <laughs> and, you know, just stuff that I never would have thought of. So yeah, co-writing is really fun. And it's sometimes like a therapy session. Like half the time I'm just crying in a co-write. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That, that, not that you're crying, but that it's, <laughs> it's that like, What's the word I'm looking for? Like personal in that regard. So it seems yeah. like you have to be able, to, you have to be willing to open yourself up in in those situations to get right. to the deeper stuff. And there and there's some co-writes that you know some certain co-writers will just yank all that stuff out of you, and you're like, I didn't plan on talking about this today and getting deep in my feels, but I guess I'm gonna cry now. Yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> like I was just having coffee, and now I'm crying, and now we're gonna write a hit. This is brilliant. exactly. Yep. Now, um, did it, did the co-writing process start for you when you, uh, moved to Nashville or was that something you were already doing before even getting there? Um, well, I guess I had co-written back in the day when I was in a rock band. Um, and, but I was just, I didn't play an instrument at that time. Um, and so I would just write the lyrics and melody. Um, and then when that band broke up, um, in 2011 or 12, I kind of had a panic moment of like, oh my God, I don't know how to write songs because I don't have a guitar player now. And so I, you know, taught myself to play enough guitar and piano to be able to write songs. And then, um, so I was writing by myself for a long time. And then when I got to Nashville, that was, you know, it was terrifying to co-write for the first time because I didn't know if, if I'm even a good songwriter, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, I really like co-writing now. That's awesome. So uh, terrified in the beginning, but... Um it seems like a, a big piece of what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, I'm still terrified before every write, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> like, am I going to cry? I don't know what's yeah. going to happen. It is a, um, like I've written, I've written solo most of my life and just started branching out into, into like co-writing with other people. And now our band is, I used to bring my songs to the band and kind of like bones and then let them put the flesh on it. But like yeah. as a song, it was there you know? Yeah. Um, and now like being in the studio with them, where like the drummer, like our drummers, like digging into me on like a melody because my rhythm was kind of not matching what he was doing. And so mm -hmm. he's like sitting in front of me, just like, no, like this. And like trying to tap it out and like almost on my forehead in a way. And I looked at him cause I think I got overwhelmed and I was like, I don't know. I'll just work on this later by myself. He's like, no, right now, let's do it right now. And it, but it, it was cool because he like forced me to that. And I could feel like this sense of like, Oh, this is why everyone keeps saying do co-writing. It puts you out of your comfort zone, which I think in turn maybe makes better art. Absolutely. And, and like another kind of mantra of mine is like, 
I never want to be the the smartest or most talented person in the room, you know, because mm. you will never get any better. You'll never grow. Um, and so Absolutely. I always try to surround myself with people that are better than me, which is really depressing a lot of the time because they're way better than me. But I'm hoping <laughs> that that means I am also getting better. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's when uh, one reason I love visiting Nashville um, and I look forward to getting back there because I remember describing to my wife the first time we came back after making a record. And I was like, I swear to God, everyone I met was way better than me. Like the barista was yeah. way better than me at like keyboards, you know, not yeah. even the people who are in the studio. And then like people I'd had friends drop in the studio and they, it's like, they can see a whole other palette that I can't see yet. But it was to get a taste of that, to be surrounded by that seems so huge. Um, are you, are you familiar with Kenny Carter at all? Um, mm -hmm. he's originally Kansas city. He's out in Nashville now as well. Oh, okay. A group called the Magi does a lot of really like doing some really great stuff, but that was the same kind of thing for him where he went there. He's like, dude, everyone around me is making me better. And yeah, that's, it's for you. Was that a, again, like a natural thing for you? Um, like you just had this sense, I need to get around people who are better than me. Or were there some mentors that maybe said, Hey, you need to get to Nashville. You need to get like around people are going to push you even harder. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, I've always kind of just known about that. You know, I've, I've always heard like, if you surround yourself with millionaires, you will someday be a millionaire. If you surround yourself right. with smart people, you will end up getting smarter. Um, and you know, I obviously knew <clears throat> like Kansas city has an insane amount of talent Right. And then you go to Nashville and it's like your face is melted off. I mean, yeah. it's it's just bananas out here, the talent everywhere you look and and to just be surrounded by like minded people who are chasing a unicorn of a dream, just like we are. Um, it just it's so good for the soul just to be around fighters and and pushers. You know, it's it's pretty inspiring. People actually building the thing. Yeah. Yep. I remember one of our first showcases we did and talking um, to other artists, you know, just getting to know them. Like I, I have a podcast where I talk to artists. So obviously I love talking to artists, but it's, uh, you know, talking to them. I, and I would start asking like, how many shows did you do last year? And they're like, uh, they're like thinking like 200. Okay. And then like the next artist, I think I did like two, 235 or something. And it's like realizing all of a sudden, like that was our first step out of like our region. Yeah. where suddenly we're around people where I was like, oh, this is where the game's at. <laughs> okay. Like, I have a really far to go. Um, when you're doing touring and you're in the joyride with the Joy Boys going around, <laughs> <laughs> do you have a, a number set? Like, this is how many days we want to be out? Or is, again, is it more focused around just the right shows for you? Is there, like, how do you quantify yeah. that, I guess? We're way less organized than that. <laughs> um we basically just take every single gig that comes to us that fits the criteria of, of stage and right. everything and meaningfulness. Um, yeah, I'd like to say that we like have a spreadsheet where we're like, here, we have to hit this goal and this <laughs> and that. But we're just, you know, I'm always like, Brian, where are we going this weekend? Am I free or do we have? No, we're going to Oklahoma. Oh, OK. <laughs> so I kind of never know what's going on, but <laughs> but Brian does. So it's fine. There you go. So you're you're on it on that one. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. I'm I'm curious, though, in that. So like, obviously, the stage, uh, you know, like bigger stages, uh, but then also something that's meaningful. Have you ever hit uh, a point where someone reaches out to you? And there's something that like really hits your heart, like, this seems so meaningful that you would be willing to like, go on a smaller stage, essentially? Is there anything popped up for you like that? Oh, yeah. And and there's a lot of like, house parties and stuff that we've done before that um, have been the most fun gigs ever. Um, even last weekend, we played in Baldwin City, Kansas, and, um, you know, a small little town, and, like, the power went out in the middle of the set, and everyone was, like, feeling so bad for me and was like, oh, my gosh, we're so sorry this happened to you. And But I ended up, like, putting all my guitar. I went around the crowd and was singing Hokey Pokey and Baby Shark and everything for the kids. Nice. And, I was telling everybody like the, these are the kinds of shows that that's meaningful to me. Like that is a memory now that, you know, nobody remembers 
a perfect wedding, you know, like mm-hmm. they remember the the funny things and the messed ups and mistakes that happen. And it's, I think it's the same for live music. Like I love those moments where, you know, sometimes something catastrophic happens and we have to see how are the joy boys going to react? What are we going to do? How are we going to keep this moving? <laughs> right. It's fine. I remember uh, playing a show one time where I had a keyboardist, this R&B keyboardist with me, just brilliant dude. He had like led army bands and all stuff, like tons of experience. And I, my mic goes out and then I reach over, grab another mic. That mic's not working. I don't know if the sound guy didn't see what was going on because he's distracted by something else. Who knows? And like finally get like another mic going. And it's like, but it became a fun moment. And like with the crowd connecting with them, everyone's laughing because they can see it. And yes. uh, I remember getting off. I was still pretty like early to performing at this point. And this guy's 20 plus years in like touring all over the world. And he's like that is what being a professional is. And like, I was like, that's not what I thought. I thought being a professional is you do all the notes perfect and the mistakes don't happen, you know? Right. And, but he's like, no, that is what being a professional is. You can make something out of the mistakes. Like your talent level is like the baseline. It's the next thing that goes. I was like, I was kind of blown away by it, by his advice there. So, or insight. Yeah. And, and it really does bring a crowd in. Like when they see, something happen and, and you're not a douche about it. Like you're, you know, you make it funny. <laughs> I didn't throw the like, mic. <laughs> yeah. You're like, yeah, I did just trip on stage. What? It's funny. It's fine. <laughs> um, yeah. I think like crowds love to see how you deal with adversity or, you know, mess ups on stage or sound going out. You know, I think that's, I mean, I love to see that with big artists too. Of like, right. oh, they're just like us. They have problems. <laughs> <laughs> I remember seeing uh, Ben Gibbard. is one of my favorite songwriters, Death Cab for Cutie. And oh, it was the first night. Yeah, so good. And the Postal Service, one album. Uh, Come on, give us more. But uh, I took my oldest son. We had some tickets. And we went to the Midland uh, to see him perform. And I realized later is their first night of tour. And like they started playing and like halfway through a song, you, you could tell like he was off for some reason. Like he was Getting just like distracted. Yeah. And, and like, he seemed so distracted because he was killing it for like six songs. Then all of a sudden he's super distracted. He literally says on the microphone, hold on, stop, 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 stop. And he goes, um, this is our first night of tour and we got to work out something. Stops a whole band turns around, goes up to the drummer and you see them like pointing at each other and talking and then like big laugh. And he turns around and goes, all right, we're just going to try that song all over again. And then they like rocked it. And I was like, again, it was such a great lesson. I'm like, this is Ben Gibbard. This is like death cab, like iconic. And he's like, now we got to stop the song because this is not okay. (laughs) And it became a cool moment though. It really was. It like, and it's funny because that's probably one of the few moments I, um, I think of from that show still like years later that sticks out to me. So that's, that's really cool when you see that kind of thing. Yeah. I love me some death cab. I actually, I have a line in a song of mine of to sing along to death cab in your car. I was a a kid at heart. (laughs) (laughs) So emo and then rock band, right? Was it like, when you say rock band, what like, subgenre of rock are we talking about where you like system like, down which i feel it would be rough to see I don't, I don't know if that's your your vibe or not but <laughs> it was like a paramore meets evanescence okay nice yeah. there you go so that but, was fun yeah. for a while oh yeah and i still love singing rock music there's still we'll throw some covers in the set every once in a while and you know we'll do some pat benatar we we end every set set that we do with foreplay long time by boston Okay. Which is a super fun one. And everyone's always like, wait, wasn't she just yodeling? What's happening? Now we're headbanging. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, the uh, the owner of the company I work for as an agent, uh, Chad Burkwin, which you guys know. I'm, I think you guys are pretty familiar with him. Yeah. Um, he has just gone on and on about how phenomenal your show is. He's like, I'm telling you, like the energy is just off the charts. Like he's like, this, this, what do you say? Like the stage feels like it's about to explode. Like, so it's almost like you have that rock, like energy in you, no matter what you're doing, whether you're yodeling or singing Boston. Yeah. And that's like, when I finally learned how to perform on stage Hmm. and like a big um, tip that I was told a long time ago was like, when you're performing you have this box around your body. And so we're always like singing and like going to like here 
but mm. come out of the box, do one of these, like your arm all the way up in the air and just like extending outside of your tiny little body box. Right. Um, and that was all like while I was singing rock music. And so I was like learning to headbang and I was like watching Under Oath videos and Evanescence, yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> and so then, you know, I go back to country music and I'm like, hang on, when am I going to flip my hair in this classic country set, you know? And so we got to throw in some rock music sometimes. We got to throw in some Lizzo maybe because I want to dance. I love it. Um, but, but yeah, rock music definitely uh, is where I think I get most of my performance vibe from. <laughs> that energy that overflows. What are, what are some other artists that are inspiring you right now as an artist? Taylor Swift, always. How can she so not obsessed. inspire She's one of her and Miley Cyrus are like, they, I love them both their songwriting and their yeah energy. That's, I love it. Yeah. Um, Tyler Childers been super obsessed with him lately. Um, I mean, I kind of listen to everything though. Like I listen to, you know, Rob Zombie and, and like I said, under oath, like I like some screamo every once in a while and nice. Um, and I'll go to, you know, Billie Eilish or Taylor Swift or listen to some old Brenda Lee. And so I'm all over the place. So do you curate playlists for people where you have like Rob Zombie going to like Taylor Swift in there? Like, is that a yeah, joy for you? Well, <laughs> I made several mixtapes like that for Brian when we first started dating and like. Just so he knew out, what he was getting into. Yes. And I wrote out <laughs> paragraphs for why I put each song on there. I'm like, oh, I know nice. this might be an aggressive sounding song, but here's the reason that I wanted you to hear it. And <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. Um, Tyler Childress. Is that, that's how you say the name? I'm not Childers, familiar. Yeah. Childers. Yeah. I'm not familiar. What, what kind of vibe is that? I'll have to check it out he's down the road. Like there. Americana. Um, okay. and he's that type of music that like, you're kind of like bumping your head along, like it's cute and bouncy. And then you're listening to the lyrics and you're like, Oh God, I didn't Heavy know this dark. was about death or depression or, you know, like he sings about the real, real life stuff. But right. somehow finds a way to make it a, a bop. <laughs> <laughs> Puts a hook in there. Uh, one of yeah. the Americana artists that inspires me a ton is Jason Isbell. That's a guy oh, that, yeah. like, he rips my heart out. I don't I don't even know if he's going for bop. Like, the dude just goes straight for ripping your heart out. But yeah, I for just it. soul crushing. Yeah. yeah. And at, um, Jason Isbell, no, maybe it's Sturgill Simpson. One of them, oh, um, I think, killer. produced Tyler's stuff. Oh, okay. Either way, he's in good hands on that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, kind of shifting gears, um, just kind of behind the scenes of the industry. And a lot of times when women come on, I like to ask them just like their unique experiences in the industry. And the reason I do is because I and I, I'm sorry to listeners. They probably heard this story several times now. But I remember several years back, like social media has always been a big thing for us as a band. And a friend of ours named Crystal Rose, she she wanted to like pick our brains on like social media. So we tell her all of our brilliant ideas and thoughts and strategies. And we get done, you know, thinking like she's gonna be blown away by this great information because we're so awesome. And she just looks at us and goes, you clearly have never been a woman on social media. So let's talk about how those strategies don't work for me. And it, and it was that first moment, first inkling as a dumb guy, like, oh, the world is often different for females, uh, especially when now we're talking, you give a female a costume and a microphone and put them up in front of people and how people relate to them. So I'm curious for you, um, kind of what, what do you feel has been different maybe from like your male counterparts in, in the industry, um, as you've come up? Yeah. I mean, I definitely feel like sometimes I'm not taken seriously because I'm a female and like, you know, like I'll post, a, a picture about a new single and, and the men are just saying like, nice legs or show me your feet, right. <laughs> like weird stuff. I'm like, come on, click the okay. link in my bio, listen to my song. Right. It's um, Facebook, not only fans. Okay. Right? Like no one's showing feet. <laughs> yeah. I'll start my only fans for some foot pics. I'm going to make that money. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, and, and sometimes I like, I'll see some other artists that, that are male that that seem like they can they can him haw with the the industry people easier because they can go mm -hmm. golfing or fishing together or go have a beer and right. if it's me asking a male 
producer or radio guy or something, you know, I feel like there's always that like, oh, but what is this? And I'm like, it's, you know, I don't know. You're like, I don't really we're know networking. We're... Words, but <laughs> there, yeah, there definitely is a difference. Well, and it does remind me of like the whole process for me is just like learning the hard way. Um, but there's a group of women in town here in Kansas city who are like powerful performers, powerful women who started like doing their own like group and they like post, like they're out doing these things and all the industry people. And I distinctly remember ignorantly thinking, man, I wish guys had a group like that. <laughs> and then it took like maybe five seconds to realize yeah, that's like all the groups. Like, cause I thought about like the late night hangs at like a bar after the show's shut down and everyone's getting drinks. It's almost always like guys, or like you said, you know, the golfing and all that. And it, that's again, it's that's where it kind of blew me away. It's like, oh, that's why they had to start it because they weren't getting invited into those rooms, whether just out, out of like, like ignorance or maybe it was purposeful. I don't know. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah, that's kind of what I hear and what you're explaining in a way too. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes I even like try to be like more of one of the guys like while we're at shows because I don't want to be seen as the girl or, you know, the girl singer, the girl guitar player, you know, I right. just want to be like the singer or the guitar player, you know? And so I feel like sometimes I like turn off my feminine energy to be like, I'm just hmm. one of the guys, take me seriously. Like we can go have a drink after this. I'm cool. Right. <laughs> I'm not like, just shots up. I can, I can drink you under the table. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I can. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Well, yeah. And that again, it is every time, you know, and, and crazy enough is almost every answer is different from the female artists I've had on the podcast where each one of us dealt with different things in the industry and, um, and like different tools they use to kind of bypass it and, and still pave their way. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's always a, a powerful conversation, especially even, like I said, for me, I think for years, I just didn't even see it until yeah. like good friends in industry start opening my eyes to it where they're like, no, this is my life as a woman in the industry. So, yeah. Yeah. And things are changing and getting better in country music with like, you know, being more supportive of women. But I am still noticing like I'm the only female on a lot of the bills and festivals that that I've been playing. And I'm like what's the deal? Like, if I am the only female, like, what the heck? Like, there's so <laughs> many more amazing women in country right now that I'm like, where are they? And why aren't they, you know, I don't know. It's right. Hopefully it'll just keep, keep changing and keep going on that path of, you know, I think things are getting better, but we'll see. if you could solve that problem right now, just by like sheer brilliance right now, <laughs> what, <laughs> what do you think is helpful solutions? for that, for women in the, in the industry? You know, I've, I don't really know. I think, I mean, it starts with, you know, radio promoters and, and the labels, like they have to be the ones supporting the women. And, and, you know, I think the fans do, but you know, it's, if you can't get past the gatekeeper, it's, it's closed. So right. I think it starts at the top. So it's almost like a systemic change that Mm -hmm. people open their eyes and, and letting, maybe letting them know that girls play golf too. I don't know. Yeah. But I, I don't know if you do or not, but <laughs> I like to go to Top Golf and have <laughs> Top Golf is awesome. I used to think I hated golf because I went out, got my only experience with golfing was going with a friend uh, and he was super into it. And I was like, this sucks. Like yeah. I was terrible at it and he was so into it. And he's like, all right, next, next one. And then, but then I got invited to some fundraiser with a scramble and, and it's like 10 AM on a Friday. And then they roll up with the beer truck. I was like, there was not a beer truck on Very, the, on the yeah, or a beer cart, I should say. And they're like, oh yeah, this is how we golf. None of us are taking this serious. I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah. That's when golf is not fun. When you're with someone that's like trying, like it's right. I like to go with Brian and I just drive the golf cart and have my bloody Mary and See? cheer him on. And <laughs> it's like brunch with movement is what exactly. I'm thinking. Yeah. It's, it's a, yeah, it's physical brunch. Just trying to better myself. <laughs> <laughs> now on, on the idea still like with women in the industry, I'm curious to you, I'm curious, like from you, 
if you had the opportunity to sit down with a young woman who's getting ready to step into the, like maybe she's getting ready to move to Nashville, right? And she reaches out, sits down with you and, and wants your advice. What are like two to three things you would say to her right now? I think moving to Nashville wise, I would just say network, network, network. Like as, as bad as it sounds, like you've got to be out at the bars every single night because that is where the networking is done. That's where you're going to meet producers and other co-writers. And, you know, if you're going to, to writers rounds every night, I mean, that is so inspiring. Like you, if you move to Nashville, you should do that on your first night, go straight to a writer's round. <laughs> Don't even and move in. Just <laughs> no. And your mind will be blown. You'll be like, Oh, that's how to write a song. Wow. Um, but yeah, it's, this town is all about networking. It's, it's the tiniest, tiniest little town. Like you'd be surprised. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, last two questions. And again, thanks for making the time in the, in the midst of going around the country. <laughs> your joy, right? Um, it's off the podcast, live and create. So first of the last two, uh, right now in your life, how would you define living a great life? Hmm. I would say, just being able to do something that you love and, and I don't want to make it about money, but if you're able to do something that you love, that makes you just enough money that you get to keep doing it and be comfortable and not be having to freak out about robbing Peter to pay Paul. And if you can pair that with doing something that you're passionate about and that you love, I mean, I think that's, that's the key to life and just surrounding yourself with, with good, positive people that, that are good vibes only. That's awesome. And for the last question right now in your life, how would you define creating great things? Mm -hmm. I would say being just authentic and genuine and saying the things that other people are thinking, but you know, have either been too afraid to say, or haven't known the words to say it. Um, I like the most special songs to me that I listen to are ones that I'm like, Oh, that's how I'm feeling. They're so right. I didn't even realize. And so that's kind of what I'm always chasing is like, what are these like little like secret emotions or like things or problems that are going on in our lives that we haven't really brought up yet. And that maybe somebody else is feeling as well. Cause you know, the whole goal is to change people's lives with music. That's awesome. Well, let everyone know how they can uh, reach out to you and listen to your music and all that good stuff. Yeah. So you can find me, um, you can just go to CassieJoy.com um, and you can find all the socials there, but I'm on Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, everywhere, YouTube um, at Cassie Joy Music. And got tons of new music coming out the rest of the year. Everything's fine. Just dropped um, some days ago. Music videos coming out, lyric videos coming, all the things. So we're going to stay busy and stay on the road and keep getting music out. So definitely still on the hustle. I love it. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. That. Never <laughs> sleep. Sleep when you're dead. <laughs> well, thanks for making the time. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. This is really fun. Thank you for listening to the Live and Create podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure you subscribe and leave a comment or a review. The Live and Create podcast.